Hello everyone, and welcome back to Election Day. In this episode, I'm going to continue my Biden policy breakdown and cover three different areas, starting with COVID-19, then moving on to healthcare, and finally wrapping up with a short segment on immigration. So let's get started. What's going on with the stimulus bill? That was the main headline at the time that I started this season, but it's sort of faded out of the headlines, even though for most people this remains probably the top political issue of interest. I think there's a lot of frustration coming from the public from a lot of different sides. There's a lot of liberals and also just everyday people who want to get their cash who are very frustrated that Democrats aren't moving faster to get the bill passed. And then you have people on the right who are frustrated that Democrats aren't working in coordination with Republicans and trying to basically single-handedly push it through like they did with Obamacare. But I want to get you caught up on what's actually going on in the government. So what happened is maybe a couple weeks ago, the Senate adopted a budget resolution on a party-line 51 to 50 vote with Kamala Harris breaking the tie, and that came after a marathon session where Republican senators and also Democrat senators kept proposing lots and lots and lots of amendments to the original $1.9 trillion Biden stimulus bill, and in the end, the, re- the budget resolution remained largely intact. It passed kind of how it was submitted. The big one is that the $15 minimum wage was struck down. And then the resolution was passed to the House where it was confirmed, again, on pretty much a party-line basis. And what's going on at the moment is that you have representatives and senators trying to go into committee, do a bunch of negotiations outside of committee, and try to work out the details of what that bill's going to look like so that they can get that into the budget. And this sets up the groundwork for a procedure known as budget reconciliation, where Democrats would only need a simple majority in the Senate rather than 60 votes, so they're immune to a filibuster. And the actual adoption of that budget should happen sometime around early to mid-March, and then in the following weeks, checks will be sent out. Of course, negotiations to an extent will still happen, but we won't see Biden come around to something like the much more fiscally conservative $600 billion bill that Susan Collins proposed. Anyway, the main thing I wanted to get across for anyone who's sort of wondering is what's going on at the moment is they're trying to figure out the details of exactly what to put in the budget. Now, aside from stimulus, we obviously have the very present public health aspect of the COVID-19 pandemic, and here I actually do want to point out some good news. Not to say that we should or can be more relaxed, we still need to stay very, very careful until this pandemic is very much over. But there is good news, which is that we've had a huge decline in the number of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. 
just in terms of the cases, I saw the graph that we've dropped about or more than 50% from maybe two or three weeks ago. And it's a consistent decline that we haven't really seen. And hopefully that's a sign that America is at least sort of starting to figure COVID out. After that sort of prolonged period of just shocking statistics, it is kind of nice to see the numbers start to drop. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about in relation to COVID is vaccine distribution, because it is very much started. A lot of people have and are getting the vaccine. Even though America obviously isn't in good shape when it comes to the pandemic, it's still very fortunate to be in a place where we have these record time vaccines available and now, since January 20th, have an actual federal plan to coordinate and push this effort. Obviously, the things that get the most attention are when President Biden goes on TV and makes these bold promises of how many vaccinations we're going to get by a certain date. But the bigger changes might be happening in places where we don't see them as clearly. For example, the vaccination site ramp-ups, building more locations where Americans can go get vaccinated, and just increasing that availability. Or another one was the big vaccine purchases that the government's making. And one of the big things I've noticed is, in fact, the lack of Biden appearing on TV all the time. Instead, there's an effort to make medical experts the faces to the public. But, of course, I don't want to sound too much on the up-and-up because things can always and do often go wrong. So we'll still have to wait and see, but things are progressing when we think about the timeline of the pandemic. So that's segment one, and very much in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic is the issue of healthcare. I think the COVID-19 pandemic really drastically changes our outlook on how the healthcare system works because it's exposed so many different holes and flaws and just the all-pervasive nature of it makes us consider the necessity of our healthcare infrastructure in a different way. Anyways, since the passage of the Affordable Care Act during the Obama presidency, that sort of become the baseline and the center for all political debate around healthcare. That sort of drastically changed the landscape of the issue and increased accessibility in a lot of different ways. There's the individual mandate, making sure kids can stay on their parents' insurance for longer, creating that healthcare.gov marketplace, and then an all-around expansion of government Medicare and Medicaid programs. Obviously, there are some parts of the bill that have become very popular, some parts that have become not so popular and potentially more open to controversy and debate. But what's really interesting and unfortunate 
is that because the bill was labeled Obamacare after a president that a lot of people didn't like, the very technical issue of healthcare policy has become much more partisan, and people who in fact like the bill still might be against Obamacare. And that leads me to introducing Biden's proposal, the public option. This was a major point of contention during the Democratic primaries, with moderates like Joe Biden mainly backing the public option, and then famously, people like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren supporting Medicare for All. So what is the public option? Basically, the public option is Medicare for All, but only if you choose it. It's introducing a government insurance option available to all working-age adults that competes against private insurance companies. Now, the pros of this idea is that it's somewhat of a mutually acceptable compromise for both people who support private and public insurance. If you want private insurance, that's still an option. It's not like Medicare for all. You can still keep what you have. But at the same time, it creates a government alternative for people who don't like their current insurance company. So that's the very clear advantage of it. But there are also downsides. From people on the left who support Medicare for all, there are two main criticisms. The first one is that the public option might not be economically as powerful or as feasible as Medicare for All. One of the big strengths that a government-led insurance program has is that it has a lot of negotiating power against Big Pharma. If you only had a public option, the government would just be setting up their own company and they wouldn't have the market power that a Medicare for All proposal would have. The second main counter-argument is that we need to push for Medicare for All while we have an opportunity, and that if Democrats settle for a public option, then that will delay further change in the healthcare industry. To push back once again on those pushbacks, to the first point that it would be economically underwhelming, the Congressional Budget Office said that in a public option, premiums would be lower than private plans by about 7 or 8%. And to the second argument, that this would be a quote-unquote wasted opportunity, especially given the COVID pandemic, I think congressional Democrats ever since the previous president have come to somewhat of a conclusion that you should take whatever you can get while you can. And even people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's kind of a leader for progressive Democrats, when it comes down to crucial votes, she won't stray from the party line in protest. From the right, from people who kind of oppose this sort of healthcare reform entirely, you have more of a principle-based argument, which is that Number one, you should never introduce the government into this market at all. It should be a private industry. Or number two, that even if a public option is okay, eventually it's going to lead to a total government takeover and become essentially a single-payer Medicare for All program. 
And that's very much in line with the general conservative principle of mistrust in the government, and particularly their competence. And that's an argument that obviously I'll, I'll talk about in another episode. Now, I won't try to dismantle this argument, because it's inherently a value-based argument, so I can't try to change the values of people who are arguing this, but just to point out a couple things. First of all, the government does provide a lot of programs when it's deemed essential. That's why we have taxes. And I would think that healthcare is, above all else, a live-or-die essential issue. And given that so many Americans are paying so much for the, their healthcare that it really is a live-or-die situation, the government needs to step in and try to change something, right? And I think that's very much in line with sort of public opinion about the healthcare issue. Healthcare is always a huge, huge election issue, maybe only rivaling the economy. And there is a reason why that's the case. A lot of people really don't like the now, and you have another subsection of people who are afraid of, you know, government screwing the whole thing up. But mainly, I think people don't like what's going on right now. The U.S. healthcare system is so dysfunctional compared to so many other countries, and the ultimate goal is to get more people cheaper healthcare with higher quality. And people do, to some degree, expect change to be initiated by the government, not the pharmaceutical industry. Which is partially why there is some Republican support, not among their politicians, but among their base, for the public option. Because it's not as threatening as a Medicare for all, the government's not taking away your stuff, and it provides another alternative option for the people who want and or need it. Almost 50% of registered Republicans support the public option. So Biden's gonna have to try to do something about health care. The public option is the face of that effort. But of course, there's always the political reality of it. And the simple truth is... It's not likely that anything significant will happen regarding healthcare. And as I always talk about, it's sort of the sand in the gears of the system, the inertia that's in this American government. Even though the public wants change and is largely behind something like the public option, it's just not likely to happen. Democrats don't have the votes. And if they try to go through something like budget reconciliation, we'll see. That's going to be a nightmare. But there are smaller things that could get done. Restoring the ACA to its full capacity is one of the major things that just having Biden sitting in the office does to make sure it can't continue to be undermined and if anything, build atop it. Of course, when it comes to healthcare, there are just rigorous technicalities, fixing little issues that 
aren't necessarily partisan that just pop up here and there. Those are things like price transparency. So, like with every episode in this season, I'll put a little asterisk, and we'll come back to this later, what did, in the end, get done. Today, pretty much all I've done is describe the outlook, the direction, and the principles, but we'll see what happens, and change is more likely to look like small Senate legislation on increasing rural hospitals, or little changes to the supply chain than it is to look like a public option, but maybe he can pull off something like an Obamacare. Now, one of the provisions in Biden's healthcare proposals is that he believes undocumented immigrants should be covered under a government-run healthcare plan, which did sort of surprise me because it feels further to the left than Biden would be, but again, his stances, of course, shift on the spectrum depending on the issue. Which leads me into my next and very quick segment on immigration. There's not much that Biden will do legislatively to change fundamentally how immigration works. But what he's doing is he's peeling back the executive actions and the tough on immigration policy that Trump has taken when it comes to the southern Mexico border. He's putting in place new guidelines that have apparently caused some confusion during the first couple weeks at the border. He's trying to reunite the separated families and changing asylum to make it more generous. But what's interested me by far the most is the right-wing media's reaction to all this. Because I'm not someone honestly, who follows the immigration issue super closely, even during the past four years. But in the first couple weeks of Joe Biden's presidency, the immigration relaxations have kind of become the focal point of Fox News coverage, or at least disproportionately brought up. There's a lot of that general fear-mongering going on, I don't want to bring back memories of my darker episodes before Biden became president, but there's a lot of that kind of social, cultural fear going on there. They're tapping into that reserve of, they're coming for you. And I will give them this, it's not based on absolutely nothing, per se. Democrats have become much more relaxed and generous, when it comes to immigration, and particularly accepting undocumented immigrants, even compared to Barack Obama. But it's just been interesting to see these pretty basic executive orders by Joe Biden being shown as the downfall of America. Anyways, that's it for this episode. Next week, I'm going to be covering racial justice, so for that, come back next week, and thank you for listening.